You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Berto here? And Berto, another week's upon us. What do you got for a topic for us today? Um, all right, so today I want to talk about two incidents, and there's probably way more than that. Um, <clears throat> but these are just two off the top of my head. Uh, situations where, you know, Latin King members, they end up kind of doing each other a little dirty, you know, and I think this is important to point out too, because it's not always, you know, as much love as it seems, you know, like sometimes it's a little bit more, there's a little bit more dirty stuff that goes on, you know, behind the scenes. And, and, um, these are just two incidences that came to my head because they happened to two guys that I was actually cool with. They're both from different chapters. One was Wild Walker. One was uh, 23rd Street. And they were both robberies. Okay. But they both had very different circumstances surround them, surrounding them. And I guess I'll ask you how much they differ when I tell the stories. <clears throat> okay. And you can, you can give me an idea. Does that kind of make sense about overall what it is? Yeah, I think so. All right. All right. So the first one I'll tell you about, here's a guy uh, that I mentioned before. I've talked about a few times. It's He was Wild Walker with me. Or I was Wild Walker with him, probably better said. Um, and that's Geeky, right? So I think I mentioned like, Maybe not on maybe not on the podcast platform, um, on a regular episode, or probably on like that Patreon episode. I think where I was talking about the Walkers, um, but but I basically mentioned that Geeky ended up <clears throat> kind of getting exed, and I, I say kind of getting exed because I think it was like a graceful exit. It wasn't uh, you know a violent exit where they exed him out, and it wasn't. Um, what would be, I guess, considered like a dishonorable discharge, you know, from like the army. It was, it was, it was somewhere in between. Right. And a lot of people stood on different sides of this line and it's because of what had happened. So I remember during this time, we were like, we were kind of close with Walker a little bit because this was around the same time and close in the sense that we were in conversation with him a lot. And, and it was cause this was around the time when, when, uh, Pep had um, direct ties to Chicago. And so, you know, we were, this is right around the time where it was actually after he had tried to join both our, all our chapters and, and we ended up not, you know, not having that happen. So it was still around that time. So we were still talking to them, even though it, it, you know, um, that, that outcome never ended up happening. We were still talking to the walkers and, and I remember Kiki, Kiki's relationship with them was was already kind of dissolving and me personally i think it was honestly about the the drug usage you know juanito at one time used to be kiki's best friend you know they came in together and and juanito kind of fell under the arm of pep and you know they were the one and the two the inca and the casinka and you know they partied a lot and they used drugs and not everybody agreed with that I can't say that's a hundred percent what it is, but it just seemed like that relationship kind of dissolved, you know, during that time. And so, um, that was one factor, 
But also there was rumors about a robbery that happened to an old school king, right? And his name was Regu. And he was somebody who was a somebody during his time as a king. And he never left on bad terms. He just kind of, you know, he got older and kind of walked away, but he was always like a mentor still to some to to some extent. And I and from what I understood, everything I ever heard about him was that he was a, you know, he was a good guy and he walked away on good terms. If I'm wrong, somebody can call me out on it. But that's what I heard. That's what I remember around that time. That's what I heard. And so basically the 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 whispers that started coming through the different the chapters um in Milwaukee was that Kiki and his brother and maybe you know one or two other guys they end up robbing Regu for you know a substantial amount of, of weed right I don't know maybe a hundred pounds let's just say and I remember the time frame because I was still really close with Kiki like I still I still hung out with Kiki you know um it was a little bit rocky right after I became 19th Street but then you know once once they kind of got over that, I still ended up having a good relationship with him. And we always love having Kiki around, me and my brother. And and um, he used to come around 19th all the time. We still had a good relationship, man. And I remember around this time, he uh, he asked me like, hey, man, you want, you know, you want some weed to sell? And I think he gave me like a quarter pound of weed to sell, you know, for him. And I was going to make some money. He was going to make some money. And, and I, I just remember like it was a good deal. That's why I took it. You know, I I don't know, maybe like at that time, a quarter pound of weed was maybe worth like you could buy it street value for like 225. You know, that was like a good deal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he was giving me a quarter pound and then you could bag it up and sell, you know, and probably get close to 400 for, you know, 450, whatever. So I think he was asking for like 250 for the quarter pound. Right. So basically he was giving to me for on a front and then and then I could make $150 off it or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed like a good, good, good deal. But then when I got the weed, it was like, it was like garbage, you know, like the weed was just, it was like, it was like over, over moisture, you know, like it was, it was like dewy almost. It looked like seaweed. And, uh, I, I remember telling him like, bro, this is some dirt. And he was like, yeah, that's why it's, you know, that's why it's a good deal. He was like, just get rid of it. And maybe it was an even better deal than what I'm saying. It was probably a better deal. I just, I don't remember the actual numbers. But so I'm like, okay. And I never thought twice about it, right? And and we end up, you know, I end up giving some money for it and, you know, never thought twice about it. So a little bit after that, I went to a meeting. I went to a Wild Walker meeting as a, you know, as a one-nine representative. I was just going there, you know, I was a sink at the time and I was just going there to, uh, you know, this would happen from time to time, like different, different um, leadership guys would go to different chapters for, for meetings just to kind of be in tune with what's going on with them and kind of update with what's going on with us. And it was never, nobody ever thought twice about it. Like, you know, we always welcomed, you know, some, anybody that was in the leadership, they could, you know, they could come to ours. Like, it wasn't like as, uh, strict as you would think. Now, if it was like newer members, yeah, we wouldn't just have any newer members from different chapters coming to our, our meetings. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so anyway, so I went to a meeting and I remember it was like, uh, it was like me and, and me, Juanito, you know, cause it was their meeting. So it was like Pep, Juanito, Revy, um, this, this King named Pitt. And I think there was this little, a little King named Savino, 
right? And Sabino was a wild walker. And I think this was when he was catching his violation in, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Kiki wasn't there. And so I remember, you know, they took care of the situation with Sabino, like he caught his violation, you know, and I was just there sitting in. And it just so happened that the meeting was in Racine and it was at, it was at Regu's house, right? And so I remember being there thinking, where's Kiki at? Like, why wouldn't Kiki be here? Like Kiki's a staple for Wild Walker. And, and so anyways, the conversation starts and, and basically it was the gist of it between Pep Juanito was like, listen, you know, Kiki and, and his brother, they went rogue, you know, and they robbed his brother, Regu. And as of right now, you know, they're under investigation and, you know, potential, potentially going to, going to get X'd. Right. I remember hearing that and just kind of absorbing it and being like, what, like, it seemed far-fetched to me. Right. But it also, I don't know, it's weird because it seems far-fetched, but it also didn't seem far-fetched, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> it seems far-fetched because it was like, all right, Regu was a, a older brother, right? But it didn't seem far-fetched in the sense that, you know, Kiki wasn't like a dummy, you know? And if he seen an opportunity to make money, like he was going to, he was going to, you know, he was going to assess the risk and then and then take the chance. And, you know, there's some gray lines uh, when it comes to how older members are treated. There shouldn't be, but there's, there's, there's gray lines there because they're not technically active members. And so sometimes, man, there shouldn't be. There really shouldn't be. But sometimes there are loopholes that guys try to use as far as a situation like this, right? Mm -hmm. And that could have been the case. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I just remember thinking like, man, Kiki's my boy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who is this guy to me? You know, that's that's the situation I was in. I was like, OK, well, who is this guy to me? The guy Regu, And then who is Kiki to me? And obviously Kiki, I had a better relationship with. Right. And when I say that, obviously, that doesn't describe somebody known as what they would say, quote unquote, is a nation man. Right. Which means that Latin King Nation comes before um, anything else, any title, any member and putting yourself in a situation where you're choosing somebody if, you know, if it, what they were saying about him was true. And taking his side is obviously the wrong move. But this goes back to what we've talked about from episode one, um, just the hypocrisy. And everybody's guilty of it. You know, nobody's exempt of it. And this is one of those times where I was like, you know what, like, I'm siding with Kiki. I kind of made my mind up, you know, and um, and and so. I seen Kiki after that, and I remember, you know, my brother felt the same way. Mostly everybody on 19th Street felt the same way, that he was still a good brother and that, and they still wanted him to be active. And, and we even, I remember, as crazy as it sounds, the next guy I'm going to talk about, the next story I'm going to talk about, we were at his house. Uh, it was a He was a deuce trade, this guy named Heck. And I remember, I remember Kiki was over there with us, man, you know. Him, uh, Revy had brought him over. Remember, Revy was Wild Walker, and and um, you know, like he he showed he showed his allegiance to him as well. And and I remember we even offered Kiki. We we're like, bro, you can you can come 19th Street, dog, if you want to. And you know, he didn't feel that that was the right move for him. 
You know, he felt like uh, obviously he had been Wild Walker his whole career, and if he was going to go out, then obviously he was willing to to be put out that way. And so we didn't hold it against him. We just told him you'll always be a brother to us, you know what I'm saying, because we had we had an allegiance to him. That's kind of how that situation ended up being, man. And, you know, it's crazy that where things were at to where they they end up going, you know, we were willing to really, really go all the way for Kiki. And if I speed up and give you a little bit of insight on something different, if I speed the timeline up, you know, when that situation happened with Liar Louie and Liar Louie got killed, you know, Kiki was was one of the, I guess, one of the people with the the megaphone screaming that 1-9 did it. And he specifically wanted blood of some of the brothers you know, that he felt were responsible that were there, some of the 19th Street members. You know, I, I think my brother, my brother said that he, he, he believes that Kiki even shot at him. You know, they had been at a party one night and the walkers ended up showing up there. And well, they're not walkers, but at the time they were not walkers, but they, they used to be walkers. It was like Kiki and, and Meadow and, and, um, Jason, JK, Jason, there was a few brothers there. And, and I guess, this is around the time that there was infighting, you know, some infighting between Wild Walker and One Nine because they wanted to blame One Nine for Liar Louie. And like I explained to you, the guys who did it weren't even kings. And so obviously, like I said before, though, the arrogance of 19th Street is, you know, we don't have to explain shit to you. We didn't do it. And so at, during that party, man, they ended up getting into like a little bit of a brawl because they wanted to get at Joey. You know, they wanted they want Joe. They knew Joey that, that Joey was there for the Lyra Louie killing and they wanted some revenge towards Joey. And, and so needless to say, when the party ended up scattering, you know, my brother was, was, they were taken off, you know, everybody kind of scattered from the party after, you know, like a bit, a little skirmish. And he said that he heard like gunshots, you know, from the area where, where Kiki was at. And, you know, my brother was kind of hurt behind that because like I said, man, we were always really, accepting of him and, and close of him and willing to ride for him. And, and so anyways, I mean, that kind of went off, but, but my point is that, you know, that's, that's how, that's how fast these things move. But, uh, but to circle back to the actual issue at hand was that, yeah, he ended up robbing the King. Right. And so that's story one. Yeah. What do you got for that? Well, <clears throat> I think you just answered my question. So this weed you were talking about, this crap weed that he gave you was probably from this guy that he robbed. Yes. That, so, okay. yeah. So I was complicit without, without knowing, <laughs> without actually knowing. <laughs> so did you, when you, you said that all of 19th street kind of had his back and they were willing to look the other way on this was, did you just assume he didn't do it or were you saying, well, he did do it, but he's a good guy. We're not going to throw him under the bus for doing it. Yeah. I think it was, it was, it was more of a, uh, it was more of a situation where we just kind of looked at it like his perspective was this dude wasn't an active gang member. He's not an active brother. He's not on count. He's not paying dues. He's really a nobody, you know, and and then he kind of minimized his role in it as well. And so we just looked at it like we didn't have no allegiance to the guy, Ray Goo. We didn't know him. You know, we were all young brothers. Now, maybe if there had been an older older king out that was on our chapter, maybe he would have said, no, nah, you guys are wrong. And mm-hmm. maybe things would have been different. 
But I just know at that time, man, we were willing to bite the bullet on whatever came our way just because, you know, we had a lot of love for the guy. So Yeah, so I mean, that's just that's just one of them things we always talk about, Eric. It's some hypocrisy things, right? Where the letter of the law tells you to do something different, but, you know, sometimes it's a feel thing. And most people, they react that way, you know, um, regardless of what you you say you believe when certain situational things happen, you respond a certain way, you know, and that's just the way it's always been, man. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes it is a detriment, but sometimes it's, it's people having a heart too, you know? So right. that's and it. There's, there's always going to be hypocrisy when, you know, when emotions are involved and I mean, the gangs were kind of structured, but not structured in a way where you could avoid things like this happening. So when you were talking about Kiki, you said that we had talked about him on possibly on a Patreon episode. Was Kiki the one that kind of walked away from the wild walkers because it was kind of, they were in influx and stuff and he just kind of disappeared and nothing ever happened to him because he disappeared. Is that the same? No, no, no. That, that was, that was Jesse. That was Jesse. Okay. Yeah, that was no, that was Jesse. The one so where I said he became he became a realtor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, what happened with Kiki then? So Kiki, um, <clears throat> Kiki, like I said, he he remained. You got to remember. So when this this situation happened that I'm talking about, where we actually asked Kiki if if he wanted to be 19th Street, this happened in the summer of 2003 because it was right before I got locked up. And I was a Kasinka. And I remember I got locked up shortly after that. And so during that time, all the way up until Liar Louie's death, Kiki was kind of like a little bit of a renegade king, but he was still coming around active brothers. You know, he would still come around 19th Street. He would still come and hang out a little bit, but he wasn't really, he wasn't with Wild Walker no more. So he was like in flux himself. And then when that situation happened with Liar Louie, he just, he put himself all the way away from uh, the nation and he was just kind of really, really a rebel. And yeah, he wasn't, he was no longer a member. And, and nothing, he never got axed per se or anything. He just kind of vanished from, from right. the thing and, and everybody was okay with that. Huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's, that's, uh, you know that was why that, I, and that's that's the. It's I don't want to say it. What I don't want to say it without with sounding too condescending, right? But I mean, he was Wild Walker, you know, and um, you know, Wild Walker being in flux at different points and stages of their existence, it allowed for things like that to happen. You know, um, the 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 sheer amount of brothers that they had wasn't enough, you know, at times, and then you know. And then the willingness to go and do something to these guys is another thing. And so, um, yeah, you know, he got to walk away. So did his brother. So did his older brother. There's a lot of brothers that got to walk away from over there that nothing ever happened to him. And so, you know, is that right? I don't know. Probably not, you know, but. I mean, by the letter of Latin King law, it's not right. You know, Right, right, but. right. And, that, and so that's that's the message here in in general is that. It just piggybacks. It continues to piggyback off of the theme that we always share, which is it's a facade. It's 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 phony, man. Is 
as tight as you make a relationship seem and as tight as the relationships can be for it to be able to dissolve and, you know, shift and twist and turn overnight, basically at the switch of a light, it just goes to show really that those relationships and bonds were never really true. They were never really accurate. You know what I mean? They were just a depiction of what you wanted it to be, you know? And, and, uh, those, that's, those, that's, re- those relationships existed because they worked at that moment in time. In the minute some, some variable comes into the equation that, that those relationships stop working, then Kiki shooting at you instead of, you know, being a close friend of yours, basically. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Is, and it's a scary, terrifying thing to think about, you know. Yeah. And it's an extreme, especially for me, because of the fact that, you know, I've always said one of my closest friends when I was Wild Walker was Kiki, you know, and it's like, you know, you can, you can, you can have a relationship with somebody and you guys fall out, right? That's, that's common, right? People outgrow each other all the time in life. You know, it's rare that you have a childhood friend, you know, um, friends, let's just say you can have a childhood friend, but it's rare that you have a group of childhood friends where you guys all grew up together and stay around and hang around each other. You know, like as far as the scale that I'm talking about, which is four different chapters of people, you know, it's rare that you're going to have those kind of bonds that last throughout time. Right. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't, that doesn't justify the ones that make it appear that these are the kind of foundational relationships that you know chapters are built on you know like you got to think about how close people had to be in you know even like the inception of one nine you think about how close champ and boy were or you know i mean like you know just just how close them and and trust you have to have and so when you allow somebody come you allow somebody to come in in your heart like that and in your life like that. And then that can switch up on you that fast. I think this is a testament to what we're sharing is that that shit is not real, man. Like you, it can appear that way, man. And and it could feel that way. And trust me, man, I've looked in people's eyes and shook their hands and thrown into my heart and, and believed every second of it, you know, but the minute that you get into a situation where, you know, somebody has got to choose to do something that's uncomfortable or agree to agree with something that's uncomfortable and choose you over somebody else or something else, that's when you realize it's phony. And when they do or they don't choose that, it's phony of you to expect of them to do it because you, you're supposed to believe in the same thing that they are. Right. And that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's a, it's an oxymoron in itself, man. You know, it's like you demand this kind of loyalty from these people as a person. And then when they aren't like that, you kind of look at it like, damn, they betrayed you. But if they are like that, then the nation looks at it like you both betrayed it, mm-hmm. you know? And so this is what I'm saying. Like, you can never you can never win in this kind of situation, man. It's best to just not ever have to have that <laughs> be a decisive factor, you know? And have friends, man. Grow and have friends like normal people, you know? And it all goes back to something that I've said 50, probably a hundred times on this podcast, it's better to just avoid it than to ever take the chance of any of this ever happening to you, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So here's another one, right? <clears throat> mm. And this one, I knew I was wrong. 
I knew I sided with the wrong person. And um, before you go any further, then do you feel like you were in the wrong with Kiki? I never, I never felt like I was in the wrong with Kiki during the process of it. I feel like I'm, I feel like I was in the wrong with Kiki now, looking back in retrospect, because of the, the overall idea, uh, I'd, you know, like the, the philosophy of the Latin Kings, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so yeah, I look back and say, damn, I was wrong. But during the process of it, I never felt like I was wrong because Kiki was my, he was my boy, you know, he mm-hmm. was somebody that I, I held close to my heart. But looking back, I can say, damn, what a hypocrite I was, you know? Right. So basically, you look back at it now and you say, I was protecting my friend. Maybe it wasn't the right thing to do, but he was my friend. The other person that was harmed in this situation was somebody that I didn't even know. So I was trying to defend my friend. Right. Similar to similar to Mondi, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't I never I never regretted being on Mondi's side for the decision that he was making when he decided to cooperate on his cousin Mondo's case, I never, I never was like, damn, I shouldn't have done that because I never thought twice about it. That was my friend. Like that Mm -hmm. was somebody who I considered my family. And, you know, I still don't, I still don't, you know, shy away from that. Like Mondi was my boy, man. You know, I can't just be like, Oh no, uh, it means nothing to me now. No, you know, like, that's somebody that I had a relationship with that I was in the trenches with, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, so that's why those decisions, they are often through favoritism, you know? And, um, and so this is another one, right? So we can, we can segue into the next, the next, um, the next story, you know, there's a deuce tray and his name was fat boy and fat boy has been around for a long time. I think he used to be, he used to be like a crazy boy or a nasty boy, I want to say. So there was two like they were like they were like small gangs. They were really like crews. And I actually got an email a while back asking about these crews and I never really mentioned cuz I don't know much about them, you know, personally and 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 they were a little bit before my time cuz I think they ended up dissolving by the time we were like really relevant in the street. And it was the nasty boys and the crazy boys and um I believe uh Fat Boy was one of the two. He was either a nasty boy or crazy boy. I want to say he was a crazy boy. I don't know why. That's sticking out. But whatever the case is, he ended up becoming 23rd Street. And he ended up, you know, rising up. I remember he was the Inca of 2-3 at one time. And I remember, man, <laughs> a lot of the deuce trays had, had gotten locked up. They were in and out. And this is around the time Fat Boy was the one, right? And he had a he had a younger brother. Uh, also named Joey, but he was 23rd Street. You know, he was he was kind of a loose cannon, not in the sense that he was known for putting in work in the street, you know, but a loose cannon because he would get drunk and, you know, do a lot of uh, <laughs> stupid shit, you know. So that's that was kind of what his his reputation was. And then he had like some little cousins, Stephen and Rick, that were, that were 23rd Street. Rick, 2-3 Rick was the one I told a story about where he was... I was in the county jail. I mean, not in, I was in detention center with him briefly and, and he wanted to walk away, you know, but they had some good, some good Kings over there on 23rd street, you know, Tommy guns is over there, Billy. And so anyways, the, the guy, heck, right. Heck, heck was never like a street street guy. Okay. Heck was, he was somebody who would, he would ride for the cause, 
Um, but not on the level that we were on, you know, not on that, not on that kind of crazy level. He was like, you know, a few notches below that. And, um, but that wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, it wasn't like that wasn't acceptable, you know, cause what we were doing was way overboard. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when he became, when he was becoming 23rd street, he was already like a older person, right? He wasn't a, he wasn't a young kid coming in. He was already like 18, 19 as a future, you know? And so, you know, he was, he, he was kind of a, he was a man already. Right. Now, I remember I had a conversation with Fat Boy before about him, and he basically was like, "Listen, we're giving this dude a try. You know, he's got a good heart, and um, he's a good earner." In, in so many words, that's that's kind of that was a common theme. You know, he was a good earner in the sense that you know he had a lot of access and plugs, and so I mentioned before how the Deuce Trays had La. You know the 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 Chinese brother who, who never really had to be in the hood, but he was a good earner. And so I don't know if it was like a pattern with them or what, but it seemed like they wanted to kind of have one of these guys around. And, but I think heck was a little more than lie. He was active. Um, and, and like I said, I, I remember we were at a fair before us, a couple of us and, and some 23rd streets and, and heck and, and fat boy were there and, and we seen like some MPs and, and heck was ready to go. You know, we were ready to, we were ready to brawl with them dudes and so um, I can't ever say I seen him, you know, like scary or anything like that. But, you know, obviously he wasn't walking around carrying pistols all the time and and things like that. And, and to his credit, right, because he was older, he probably knew better. But anyways, so I remember, man, you know, I, I had been doing business with Heck in, in right before I got locked up in 03. And, you know, Heck was always he was always getting money and. um I ended up, I remember I even, I even myself, I ended up owing heck money and, and, uh, and I, and when I got out, right. When I got out in 04, you know, I, I paid him what I owed him. Right. I didn't owe him much. And that gesture, you know, I had just did all the time that gesture earned me some goodwill with him, you know? And so he was willing to front me some more and he did. And so, <laughs> Now you got to remember, this is the time I got out at the end of 04 after doing 18 months. And I was only out from November to January. So there was a lot of things that happened in those two months. You know, I went AWOL from the group home and, and I was on the run and all these things happened in these, in these two months. Right. And so my, during that time, you know, like I said, I, I, I got reconnected with heck and, and he started, he looked out for me again. And so obviously I had, uh, a nice little ch chunk of money from him, you know what I'm saying? Well, for him. Mm -hmm. And I had another conversation with Fat Boy. And so this this conversation was a little bit different. Um it was a it was a conversation where he was basically telling me that he was going to get rid of Heck. And he felt that Heck was not performing as a king should. And, you know, he felt like he was, he's never earned his crown, so to speak. You know, he never put in no work and, and he didn't feel like it was fair to have him as a king no more. And now there's a few, there's a few factors to consider here, right? The main factor that to consider here 
is not the not the fact that I owed him some money at this time, right? I feel like that um, that ended up being a bonus. The main factor here is that Fat Boy knew exactly how to tug at my heartstrings at this at this point in my <laughs> career as a Latin King, right? Because obviously my heart was about guys that put in work, guys that earn their stripes, you know, guys that were willing to go all out and lay somebody down. And I didn't know Heck's career as a 23rd Street Latin King, you know, and to be honest, a lot of times you really shouldn't know the, you know, I guess the, the, the dirt that they're putting in, you know, when they're a different chapter, sometimes mm-hmm. you would say, even if they were within your chapter, but you know, who should is the people within your chapter, you know, they should know if you're getting down because they're around you all the time. And so the fact that fat boy was basically saying he knows this guy isn't that guy and he hasn't ever done anything. He knew that that would curry favor with me, you know, in a sense that I'm going to agree with fat boy. If you're not putting in work and you ain't showing you a brother, I don't care how much money you got. It doesn't mean nothing to me, but obviously I had my own assumptions about what he was or wasn't doing, but I couldn't prove it, you know? And so that's why I still had a relationship with him too. But now being told this and looking at it from the situation for what it was, he had never earned quote unquote his crown. So I remember, man, I was at a point where I was like, you know what? All right. Well, what do you want to do? You know, I'm on your side. And he ended up I ended up getting locked up, first of all, before I get into the next part. I ended up getting locked up, back up, right? I didn't pay heck what I had. I ended up getting locked back up and um, ended up losing the money anyway. But I ended up getting locked back up. And Mm -hmm. so what happened after this conversation is that Fatboy did ex heck. But here's where, you know, the squeamish part comes in. Right after he exed heck he robbed heck. And so a lot of people, a lot of brothers, they came to this assumption. They brought it, you know, because I ended up finding out when I got out again, obviously in 05, you know, in the middle of summer 05. And I got out and I talked to Fat Boy and I, you know, I talked to the deuce trades that were out. I hung out with him a few times and I asked, you know, they said heck was no longer a brother. He got X. He kind of just explained, you know, he reinforced what he had told me before I got locked up. And that's what it was about. But then I started hearing whispers about him robbing Heck and that a lot of kings were feeling like the reason why he wanted to ex Heck was so that he could rob him. And so, you know, man, that was a sticky one, right? Mm-hmm. And and I feel like it, it can go either way. If you go by what Fat Boy's mouth says, right? And you look at the letter of the law, so to speak, and examine the guy Heck's career as a king, you could say, yeah, he wasn't known for being a street guy and shooting at people and and killing flakes. But he never, but he also never turned a brother away and he contributed in some other factors. But where does that put you on a evaluation standpoint? Especially when you bring in the fact that, okay, what's the theory around 
why fat boy had him exed, right? So now it's like you get put in a sticky situation because you kind of like the guy heck, but you also like fat boy and you respect fat boy because he's been a brother for a while. Obviously he's got a leadership role, you know? So these are them dilemmas though, man. And it's some situations where you really don't know where, what side of the line to stand on, you know, when it comes to certain things and you have to take a hard stand somewhere because at the end of the day, you know, those kind of, those kind of uh, situations, they, there's, there's really not a gray area as much as you want there to be. Either you're riding with Fat Boy because he's still a king or you're bringing up charges on him and saying he was wrong for X and Heck, but knowing that Heck doesn't have the history to really back himself up as a king. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, it puts you in a tough spot, man. And, um, you know, Fat Boy, <laughs> if we look back now, you know, Fat Boy didn't have the long history of a reputation himself. But you got to remember, at the time that I'm going through these things, I'm only, you know, so many years into the game. And somebody like Fat Boy has been around since the 90s. You know, it's it's kind of hard to, to see uh, retrospectively in the moment. <laughs> you know, you, you it's kind of hard to look back. You know, all you know is about somebody's name and people are saying, okay, yeah, he's a good guy or he's this or he's that. But mm -hmm. it, it, it takes time to be around somebody and be able to really, really see, okay, this dude never does shit. You know, he's a stay-at-home dad or whatever, you know, and <laughs> and not for real. And it's it's messed up, you know, but but it's the, it's the truth, right? And so, but there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, it's a smart thing now looking back, but at the time, that's not what you're interested in. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And, and so... Yeah, man, that's kind of that's a different situation. What do you think about that one? Well, okay, so with this situation, I th it's a tough one because mm -hmm. technically, I guess if I look at it from the gang perspective, in the in the rules of the gang, what Fat Boy did is not wrong. But now the way you tell the story, it almost sounds like other people from was it they were he was twenty one. Is that what you said or twenty third? Yeah, he was 23rd Street. Okay, so he was 23rd Street. It sounds like after he robbed this guy, a lot of 23rd people felt like, oh, he just X'd him so he could rob him, which would lead me to believe that it wasn't a common belief within 23rd Street that Heck was not a good king. Right. You know, which, again, that makes it very wrong. But then at the same time, I guess I would look at it morally. It's wrong, but I guess that one was kind of followed by the rules of the gang. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. See, so let me bring in a little bit more, uh, perspective. Right. So in, in 2005, when I got out and like I said, I got out and I, and, and fat boy explained to me about heck and, and, uh, him being next, the reason why I say there was there was people that were conflicted about it is because I was also hanging out with the twins, right? And the twins were around from Cago days, uh, Richard and Gilbert. They're twins, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they ended up becoming 19th Street. And so, you know, when I got out, first one was out, Gilbert was out, and then, and then Richard ended up being out with me like for, for like a week um, before we got indicted. But Gilbert was still 
doing business with Heck. And so was Gilbert's sister, Suki. And it'd be the weirdest thing because they still both talk to Fat Boy. So mm-hmm. I remember being by Suki's house before and Heck coming over. And then, um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I remember being by Suki's house before and Fat Boy being over. And then them saying, yo, Heck's about to come over and Fat Boy leaving. Right. And and this is Hex already exed, you know, but he's still a valuable asset to to some people because he still knows how to get money. He still got access to plugs. And so that was the kind of like I don't know, it just seemed like scheming, like dirty, you know what I mean? Like almost like unlawful, you know, in the in the in the eyes of the nation. Like, first of all, like Fat Boy, if you're standing on what you're believing, like, why would you ever leave? You know, why wouldn't you be like, I don't give a fuck if dude's coming over. I'm staying here. Like, dude ain't no king. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, why would you leave if you didn't have, you know, what people call, I've heard this before in prison and, and it's always stuck with me. It's called the dirty belly. Right. And I used to be like, what is a dirty belly? He'd be like, man, that dude has a, he, he's got that look on his face, like a dirty belly. And I'd be like, what's that? And, and the reference is to a snake, you know, cause snakes are always on the ground they're slithering on the ground. And, and that's why they got a dirty belly. And so I feel like that's, that's kind of like, you know, that, that, that resembles that. Like, why would you leave? You know, like you're the man, you're the man on 23rd street. You could tell, you could tell them, I don't give a fuck about him coming. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so the fact that he was willing to leave and then, and then on, on, you know, you got to remember Suki was a queen and, um, and Gilbert, obviously he's a king. You know, him and his brother's a king. And then Suki, they also got a sister named Desiree, who I mentioned about, about Dre bringing to the meetings. That's their little sister. She was a queen too. But my point is that for them to be willing to be in cahoots in this situation, so to speak, right? Where they're okay talking to this guy and also okay talking to this guy. And it, it kind of feels like, well, what side of your mouth are you talking out of? You know, because you can't tell me that when you're around Fat Boy, he's not talking shit about Heck. And then when you're around Heck, he's not talking shit about Fat Boy, right? So it's like, where where is your allegiance? You know, so it's a, it's a real sticky situation, man. And I remember feeling like confused about the whole situation. Like, what the hell? Like, what you know? And this is all you got to remember. I was just fresh out. Like the dynamic of what was going on on Twenty Third Street, and and um, you know, trying to trying to hold together what little semblance of a nation that we had left at that time. You got to remember, man. In the summer of '05, everything was was falling apart, man. You know, everything was falling apart. So yeah, I was super confused about the situation. Yeah, and I I, I think this is just a wonderful exploit. An- another great example of how there you're going to get into so many situations, and we've told so many situations on this podcast where there is never a good solution, and it's impossible for anybody to come up with the right solution because you have this so-called code of conduct, but then you, on the other end, you have all these people that you have all these people that are literally like family to you. And the code of conduct says you have to beat this person senseless for something they did. And it's like, well, that person's had my back so many times. I don't really want to beat them senseless for this one mistake they made. And right. I think and sometimes, just- man, sometimes it's, it's, it's so many contributing factors, right. Re- re- regarding 
people's own personal feelings about other people, you know, jealousy and envy and, and, um, you know, th- those, I feel like those are real, those are real components that play a role as well. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in these, in these gangs, man, and amongst groups of people, y- y- you want to be, if you're not known for something, you're known for nothing, mm-hmm. you know, at least heck was known for making money. You know, and and so I feel like this is just my opinion, right? I'm just throwing it out here because it seems like something logical. Fatboy wasn't known for anything. You know, he was he was known for being a king. You know, he was. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't like he was a lame or anything like that. But I'm saying, like, he wasn't he wasn't somebody that was like, "Yo, he's a shooter. Watch out!" Like that dude's he's a heavy hitter, right? Or, you know, that dude makes money. He's a hustler, right? He wasn't he wasn't either. He's a fighter. He wasn't, he wasn't either. Right. And it's like, yeah, he was a good dude. He wasn't, he wasn't scary, but you know, I feel like that, that, <laughs> that means something, man. It means something because regardless of everybody saying, yeah, it's about a brotherhood, everybody's sizing everybody up, man, you know, and, and whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, it happens, man. From the minute you meet somebody, you size them up. You see, is this person going to be a threat to me personally? You know, like you might not say that out loud, but everybody has their own motivations. Everybody has their own ulterior motives. And if you're not a person that's all in and all love, a lot of your flaws are going to be revealed in this lifestyle, man, because you literally have to be willing to take the shirt off your back every second of every day in order to have the kind of recognition that it takes, the kind of respect that it takes. But that kind of that kind of willingness to do that also gets you in a shit ton of trouble, man. And that's coming from somebody who has personal experience with that. And and based on the story, it almost sounds to me like like Fat Boy was probably jealous of. I'm sorry, the name's blanking me. Heck, I can't remember. Heck, of heck, because he had that reputation of being the guy that could get you things or get you money or whatever exactly it was. But he had that reputation and maybe he saw this Xing and then robbing him as well, if I do this, then I can be that guy. Right. You know, and he yeah, was trying I mean, to jump then, on that experience. And if you think about it from that perspective, if that's what he was after, I don't know the law the laws of the Latin Kings, but I think that would be a big no no. Oh yeah, for sure. You for know. sure. And and um it's it's a no no man, and that's why I say like there's a there's a fine line um, when it comes to your assumption about somebody and what people are saying about somebody and whether it's true or not, right? So, but you can never prove that. And what I mean is, so even if Fat Boy was saying, "Yeah, heck, ain't putting in work," right? Um, first of all, he's a king now, right? So you got to remember, heck's not a future. He was a king at this time. So for you to say that, you know. That would mean that you had ordered him to do something. He didn't do it because who are you to say that he isn't? And and listen, this is going by the letter of the law, because like I said, you're always going to know if a guy in your clique is really about that life and putting in that work. You're just going to know. Right. None of, there's none of this. Oh, I put all I put all my work in by myself. Nobody does that. That's a lie. You're never by yourself all the time. So mm-hmm. that's that's a blatant lie. Right. You know, if you're putting in work, guys know about it. So. You know, I'm not saying that Heck was out there secretly being a, an assassin, right? But what I'm saying is that 
Fat Boy could never prove that he wasn't. And based on that, he doesn't have solid grounds to X heck. You know what I'm saying? So if there was anybody in the wrong here, it would have been Fat Boy because he would have had to prove that. You know, he would have had to prove that allegation. Um, you know, had Heck wanted to fight it. Now it gets muddied because obviously Fat Boy was the Inca, you know. Mm. But but there's members who might have believed Heck still was worthy of being a brother. And so that's why I say, man, like it gets so, you know, it, it almost gets like, you know, queasy for your stomach. Like you don't want to, you don't even want to think about it, man, because it's like, man, like that's a disgusting thought about the the way the nation was represented at that time. You know, like these are things that that need to be exposed because it's not always what people assume it is about the brotherhood that's within each other, you know? And I talk about my own fellowship and and my own brotherhood with the guys that I had, and we've all had our rough times, but obviously we've never thought about extremes like this, you know, robbing one of each other or something like that. And, and, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to really, uh, I guess, quantify how big any one situation is, but, for people that can really, really look and see this for what it is, put all these examples together, man. I guarantee you, uh, it, it's gonna, it's gonna resonate within somebody that wants to be a part of one of these gangs and organizations. Yeah, and I mean, the biggest key to this whole thing is is not trying to figure out why why things happen and whether that was the right way for something to happen or not. The most important thing is listen to these stories and figure out, is this something that you want to go through in your life? And I would hope that most people listening to this podcast would hear a story like this and say, I don't ever want that to happen to me. And the way to have that never happen to you is just to stay away from that lifestyle 150%. And you know what's crazy, man, is like these these are some of the reasons why, like especially during my era, that we were never really trusted with like major plugs. Like we never got linked up with somebody who was a big drug dealer. And that's because our reputation was ruthless. You know, who wants to trust a bunch of wild kids? You know what I'm saying? Like, you you know, I guarantee you every, their first thought was, man, them dudes are going to rob me the first chance they get, you know? (laughs) And, 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 uh, nine times out of 10, we would, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, Listen, we would go on, we would take tips and go and try to rob places just based on a tip, on a hunch, you know, and and be willing to kick in doors with, you know, I remember one time, so I just remember this right now. This was just a hunch, bro. It, it was the craziest thing. So I was leaving Rick's house, um, the Rick that passed away, rest in peace, Rick, right? I was leaving his house. He, he used to live in an apartment building, the same apartment building that Joey jumped out of the third story of the window, right? So that apartment building, I'm leaving that house. And I remember it was wintertime. I was out, I was on the run. This is during that little two month um, period where I was on the run that I was just talking about. And I remember I was leaving his house and I see a car full of Cobras, right? And they bang on me, they bang on me, but then like peel, cause they're going down Lincoln. So I was walking, I was walking to the towards Hayes from Lincoln so I can get to the alleys. I told you I like to walk in the alleys. And so um, mm-hmm. I remember 
these dudes bang on me and then like peel off to the corner, right? So I'm thinking they're going to hit a U-turn and come back. So I hit the gangway, right? And I'm running through an alley, right? Because I ain't got a pistol on me, right? I'm not going to, I'm not dumb, right? Like, so yeah, I, I threw my crown up, but I knew I wasn't going to stay there and get beat up by all these dudes and <laughs> or, or shot at, right? Because I ain't got a gun. And so I take off, right? I live to fight another day. And I remember running through these gangways and I pop out in the alley. I'm like, I'm 32nd and I see, um, I see an explorer in the alley and it's Benny and Angel. Right. And they're, they're with these two girls. And, um, Benny's like, Benny's like, what's up, bro? I explained to him, yo, these dudes just banged on me. And him and Angel both pull out a gun. Angel had a 32 and, and Benny had like a, a 22 or something. Right. And so I'm like, all right, bet. But you know, I don't want everyone to do nothing. Cause we're in the car with two girls. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Like they're gone. So don't like, what you guys on? They're like, yo, we got a, we got a tip for this, for this house over here. Right. We about to get dropped off. And so, you know, they're whispering this to me. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we get out. Right. And they, they take off, the girls take off and it's me, Benny and Angel. And they're like, yo, we got a tip that, you know, this dude's got like nine ounces of Coke in his house. And you know what I'm saying? And and uh, some money. And, and I'm like, all right, well, what we got to do? We can kick the door in or what? He's like, nobody's home. I got the key. Right. So like, the, you know, at this time and some these guys were getting good, like I had just got out. Right. So this is like a newer generation that we had just brought in. And so mm-hmm. these new, just new generation, like they were known for it, like Benny and Gordy and, and Angel, like they were on this, they were on like robbing guys and, and sticking guys up. They were stick up guys. And so they obviously had this planned out like the Italian job. Right. But I don't know. I don't think it, I don't think it was that elaborate. He just had the key. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> what are we going to do? And I remember grabbing the gun from Angel. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was just like, all right, just give me the gun. Right. And um, I think I felt more comfortable having the gun anyway. And so we go in, nobody's there. Right. This dude, I, I remember going in the house. He's got a huge, like 85 inch TV, maybe bigger, probably like 90 inch TV. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's like bottles of empty bottles, though, of like Moet all on the fridge. And I'm just like, OK, these guys look like drug dealers. But the house already kind of looked like it was like flipped, you know, like somebody had came in there and flipped the house because it was like messy as hell. Mm-hmm. And so we start like we start like flipping the house. I'm telling the guys, I'm like, all right, flip the house, you know. And so we flipped the house and we didn't really find shit, man. I, I, I don't I don't even remember. I don't even remember what we ended up taking, but we barely found anything of value. I remember being so mad. I took a knife and I put it through this dude's big ass TV. I was hot. <laughs> and I put it right through his TV. And uh, so so my point is that, you know, like guys started getting tips about little different, like, uh, you know, different robberies and shit like that. And so, uh, yeah, man, it, it just it, it's it just goes back to the whole lifestyle. How fast, man, you could just, you, you know, you like I, I didn't plan on doing a robbery that day, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just, I was, I literally was just, I was just going to go, you know, uh, probably to, to some neighborhood. I was probably going to go to, to, you know, either to the hood on 34th or something like that, you know, just a normal day, like nothing. And boom, I end up getting picked up by these guys. And, and before you know, and I'm full blown in a, a robbery that could have been a home invasion, you know, because who knows if somebody was there, you know, what we would have to do. So, but but yeah, I, I, uh, man, it's, <laughs> I just think about these, these things, they, they cross through my head when we're talking about one subject and, and it's, it's so crazy how these memories, they can just, they pop up, man. And before you know it, you're, you know, you, you're right back to another, another situation where, you know, it's always, it's always like spur of the moment, 
but life or death, right? Could be life or death. Who knows? It's terrifying, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got for you is that it's just terrifying. So, so you wouldn't want to hang out for a week? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you wouldn't have made it for a week? I don't I don't want to casually dis, you know, be walking down a gangway and be like, oh, yeah, let's go rob a house. I, I, it's just not on my my uh, agenda of things to do for the week. So, but yeah, yeah, there's, the, yeah, we got, we got, uh, there's definitely, man, there was a lot of times where we just got desperate, bro. You know, it's, it's, it's sad to think about now, you know, at the time you're thinking you're doing something ballsy, but when you look from the outside looking in, you're desperate, you, you know, you're really doing it cause you got nothing, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you, and, and you just, you normalize that and you run with it. All right. Well, I don't have nothing. I guess I got to take something, you know, and, um, and that's the way you know how to get something. Yeah. Fortunately. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. So I think the moral, the moral of this man is, is listen, man, uh, you know, as, as warm and fuzzy as the feelings can be, man, when you start coming around crews and, and you start meeting guys and you're like, man, that guy's cool. This guy's cool. That guy's cool. When you start getting involved in, in, in different crimes with different people and, and you end up in different situations and there's money involved or there's women involved and there's feelings involved. Just trust, man, that there's going to be conflict. There's going to be situations. There's going to be jealousy. There's going to be envy. There's going to be, you know, hatred. There's going to be pride. All these things are going to come into play. And the last thing anybody's going to be thinking about is loyalty. It's easy to profess something, a concept as simple as loyalty when yours isn't on the line. You know, that's that's the thing is these, you know, professions that people bring during these these uh, wooing stages, right? Like that's what it is, the wooing of of young kids and, and members and, and even Heck, right? I think about Heck, like how he was wooed into the gang. He didn't really need the gang. You know, he was, he was, like I said, he was already an adult, basically. He was an adult. Like what did he really need to be a king for, you know? But he probably just like hanging out with people and stuff like that. And look what it got him, (laughs) you know, like it got him robbed. (laughs) I mean, it did. It did. But I mean, on a brighter note, right. So we can, we can kind of throw a little bit of a bow on this one. He did end up, obviously once he got X, it was probably the best thing for him. You know, he ended up, he gave up the drug dealing, you know, he's got a family, he's got a business now he's out of trouble. He doesn't really mess with nobody like that. And so, those are the stories that end up doing well are the ones that get ended up pushing away from the Latin Kings. So, you know what I mean? As, as, as sad as it is to hear about, they often are the first success stories, you know, because they realize, man, what a burden that was to have. And now I don't have to deal with any of it no more. You know, I can imagine me at the prime, right. It would, it would have been heartbreaking to me, but let's just say for some reason in a crazy world, I would have got pushed away, you know, and you go from, only being allowed to be in certain areas at certain times, you always have to have a gun. You always have to watch out for the cops, like to basically being free, you know, and, and you can do whatever you want. You can go whatever, whatever party you want. You can, you can be in any neighborhood you want. You can have any job you want, you know, like you can hang out with anybody you want. Exactly. Go to any school you want, you know? And, and um, so I can imagine like the, the switch that it would have, it would have been and more power to them guys, you know, they end up, they end up making it despite, you know, despite and in spite 
of their encounter with the Latin Kings. Do you ever think about like what, how your life could have been different if like, you would have never gotten, like if they would have just looked at you one day and said, yeah, you're, you're not, you're not gang material. And you know, I don't know how that process would have worked if you would have just gone away or if they would have <clears throat> eat you out of the gang. But do you ever think about how those five years would have been different of you, in your life? If well, I think, uh, I mean, I, I think it would be more than just those five years that would be different in my life, right? I mean, right. So, so who knows where I'd be at now? Um, you know, listen, I think as an adult, you know, I can be, I can be really, really objective, you know, at that time, maybe everybody would say, oh, I would have been a millionaire or I would have been the successful person. Um, but I think as an adult and somebody who tries to be objective in my own situation and, and my life, I think I look at what my family dynamic was, right? And what what my own dynamic was in my life and separate myself from the Latin Kings. I'm still somebody who is maybe not aspiring to be, but at least influenced by um, a family of that has dealt with alcoholism and drug abuse and people who still have went to prison, even if they weren't in a gang. And so I still would have been in that world in some in some aspects. Right. And, and so that, that always could take your life in any direction. Um, I said, one of the biggest blessings I ever had was not, not, um, being allowed to use drugs. Who knows if I was in high school and I would have tried drugs, where that would have put me, who knows where I would have been at. And, you know, are there good aspects of my life that could have shined through? Sure. I love sports, but I mean, capping out at about five, nine and some change that, that doesn't help me in my, you know, it doesn't help me in my sports career. So at some point, you know, reality would have shifted for me. You know, um, I like to think I was a little bit smart. You know, maybe I could have did something there. I mean, I averaged like a, you know, like a three, five, three, seven in middle school. Right. So who knows, man, maybe I could have been a high school scholar at some point. I don't know. You never know. But being realistic with myself and knowing what my family dynamic was and knowing what the dynamic of the South Side is and what the obstacles were in front of me. It could have went either way, bro, literally. And yeah. um, it could have just been as easy that if 19th Street would have said no, you would have just gone to the next gang until you found one that would have taken. Yeah, who knows? So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Or even if I don't join a gang, you know, and I end up being right. one of those college guys that drinks all the time and, you know, maybe I get a drunk drive and crash into somebody, you, you know, you just never know like these kind of things, because it wasn't like I, if I wasn't a King, I was going to be this law abiding citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was born and raised with the street mentality. You know, I had some school sense, but I, I was born and raised with the street mentality, regardless of if I was, if I was in a gang or not, there's still a code of the street, you know, for neutrons. Yeah. I would love to say, man, you know what? I probably, <laughs> I probably would have been, a founder of some major app at this point, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't, I like to believe that's true, but, but probably not. Yeah. It, and it's an impossible thing to know, unfortunately. So it is, it is. But, but the, the, the reality is that 
I didn't give myself a chance to see, right. you know, and, um, you know, that's, I think that's an even bigger impact on, on people that listen in and have kids is that give them a chance to see what they can become, you know, and, and regardless if, if they, if they pass up one mistake, make sure they don't opt for the next one, mm-hmm. you know? Or the next one, because nine times out of 10, they all kind of coincide anyway. And so, yeah, man, that's, that's a, I think that's, that's an important, an important way to, to wrap it up, you know, is to just, to really give people that option, man. That's what we do. We give enough information to where people can give an option. So. And we hope everybody takes the right option. So. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. So, all right, then I guess with that, we can wrap the episode up. As normal, if you enjoy this podcast, leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can email us at normalizedcrime at gmail.com and hop over to patreon.com slash normalizedcrime and check out the Patreon. Subscribe. Subscribe. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.